This past week, I decided to try a new recipe with my McAvoy Ranch flavored olive oil. During the summer, I am drawn to all things fruity and citrusy. I love lemon in my water, snack consistently on clementines, and the list goes on. So when I saw the recipe for a blood orange olive oil lemon curd cake on the McAvoy Ranch website, I made a beeline to the store to get the ingredients. Oh my goodness, Maggie, chef's kiss scrumptious. And I know it was because the olive oil itself is so delicious. It is so yummy. McAvoy Ranch creates sustainably produced extra virgin olive oil. That's the world's best. And it comes from their Northern California ranch. The company is female founded and female led by their president, Samantha Dorsey. And I don't have to feel bad about eating my sweets because olive oil itself has so many health benefits as an anti-inflammatory and an antioxidant. But unlike a lot of healthier desserts, desserts made with McAvoy Ranch products are also delicious. Trust me when I say this olive oil will be a game changer in your kitchen. Olive oil is actually a great substitute for butter in a lot of baking because it contains healthier fats than butter. Olive oil is also a great swap for vegetable oil because it maintains its health benefits throughout the cooking process. If you'd like to experience the healthy and tasty benefits for yourself, visit www.mcavoyranch.com. That's M-C-E-V-O-Y-R-A-N-C-H.com and enter code COFFEE15 to receive 15% off your order. You will be so happy that you did. They are a company with products worth celebrating. There are so many people in our lives that end up being integral to our happiness. As adults, those people tend to be our spouse, our children, grandchildren, a best friend, and a remaining stronghold from the significant people in our childhood, our parents. When we're young, our parents, particularly, though I realize this is a bit biased, are mothers who kissed skinned knees talk to us throughout the night after a first breakup, throw back the covers to let us climb in bed when we've had bad dreams, make our favorite meals just because it's our comfort food. It seems as though when we think of comfort and of love, the first thought for many of us is mom. When we want someone to empathize, we tell mom. When we want someone to help us make the right decisions, we go to mom. There's an unfathomable loss when the figure of mom is absent. While the loss of a mother is something that is a life expectancy as we age, my mom and my dad have both lost their mothers, my grandmothers, growing up without a mother is something unexpected. In the United States, roughly 80% of single parent households are headed by women. Traditionally, the mom is usually present. In an opinion piece in the New York Times, Hope Edelman wrote, quote, I can tell you, based upon personal experience and interviews with hundreds of motherless American women, that losing a mother at a young age is one of the most stressful life events a person can face. It completely rips apart the fabric of a child's life, end quote. Keeping in mind all that a mother typically represents, it's easy to understand why. 
there are only a few things that make the loss of a mother to a young child even more traumatic, and that is a tragic death or dealing with the unknown. Unfortunately, two young daughters, Alyssa, who was three in 2006, and Chloe, who was also just a toddler at the time, had to deal with both. And they are still having to cope with those same wounds to this day. This is the case of Amanda Lynn Hughes. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. So, Maggie, I have to tell you, okay, I felt a calling to cover this case this week because Mm -hmm. I saw an update about this particular case when I was watching the local evening news. It was at the end of last year. And you, you know, on some of the cases that we cover on the show, I don't know if our listeners know this, but we find them and then we spend several months researching and trying to conduct interviews and making sure that we have all of the information that we need before we, actually cover the case on the show. Mm -hmm. So this was one I saw on the news. It was, I think, November of last year. And this case is one that is local to us because it has connections to several counties in central Kentucky. So connections to Jessamine County, Mercer County, Fayette County, and Anderson County. So all right there in a cluster, right in the middle. Mm -hmm. But the trails of potential information in the case actually stretch into Ohio and all the way down to Mississippi. And so because of those local connections, as well as to other states where we have significant listenership, I just pray that someone with information will hear this coverage and will come forward with recalled information or with some detail that they've been holding on to for years since this case happened in 2006. And this one I feel like has been a long time coming mm-hmm. for coughing cases because we've, or I know you have been trying to kind of get the ball rolling for mm-hmm. quite a while. Yes. And the reason why I kind of needed to wait a while is to make sure that I could get 
as many contacts and interviews as I could because the problem with this particular case is that there has been so little information printed about it. I mean, less printed information than I've found on any case since the Valerie Brooks case and oh, wow. less even than that. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think when I printed out everything I could find, it was about four pages. And so, that's, that's not a lot because your hers are usually like hundreds. Oh yeah. I, I'm normally, yes. I'm normally combing through hundreds of pages of research and this one I had four. And so I knew I had to rely on interviewing people yeah. who were associated with it. And I was even worried about covering it because I knew it could be a shorter episode than a lot that we cover, but Immediately after feeling those worries, I knew in my gut that our listeners, they believe in our mission as much as we do. Mm -hmm. And obviously that mission is to cover the lesser known cases because we care. I mean, we, right. we're not doing it because this is the, the popular case that everybody's going to talk about and it's going to skyrocket us to number one. I mean, we do it because it's our small part that we can do in keeping mm -hmm. these cases alive. And we want to make sure that we are a support for the families. And I feel like we can do that when we cover cases like this one. And yeah, I know that our sleuth hounds will also support the family by sharing about this case with other people too. And I do feel like we have such a supportive community of listeners. I don't mm -hmm. think that people will be like, Oh, this episode was 35 minutes instead right. of an hour. I'm right. done with them. Like, yeah, I think they're going to, it'll be okay. Yes. And luckily, um, because there was so little printed information, I had a lot of help in gaining details to supplement the news articles by interviewing Amanda's daughter, Alyssa, getting written responses from Amanda's younger sister, Chloe. So the two daughters who I mentioned in the introduction and mm -hmm. being able to interview the detective now in charge of the investigation, Kentucky state police detective Van Hoos. So have a lot of viewpoints. Uh, yes, we do. And a, lo a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Now, like I just mentioned, I was watching the news a few months back when I saw an update story for which a reporter from WLEX 18 News, Kristen Edwards, was interviewing Alyssa Hughes concerning her mom's case. And it was an update of the original story, which actually aired way back in 2006 when Alyssa, who was interviewed then as well, was only three years old. And 2006 seems like yesterday. <laughs> I know, I know. But in the original story, a precious looking little girl is asking for help in finding her mom because Amanda. Because she's still obviously that. asking that question. Mm -hmm. Well, we have some more details now, but there are still a lot of questions. So before we discuss the details that we do know about the case, I want to talk a little bit about Amanda and okay. what I was able to gather about her background and even her life at the time. Amanda Lynn Hughes was born August 31st, 1982. 
and in interviews with local news agencies, her parents in various places in those interviews told reporters that Amanda was the kind of person who would give anyone the shirt off of her back because she was just this caregiver at heart. I mean, she would often take care of and take in sick animals. She was always drawn to children. You know, there are some people to whom caregiving just comes naturally. Yeah. And it did for Amanda. Amanda also had this affable, likable personality. Um, And that was a lot of the reason behind that was because she put everyone at ease when she was talking to them, usually cracking a joke. Because, you know, when somebody cracks a joke, you just feel more engaged. Yeah. And I think people who are caregivers are like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just to... know how to calm people down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did live at home with her parents, Dawn and Linda Hughes, in Nicholasville, and had continued to do so even after giving birth to her oldest daughter, Alyssa. They actually set up a crib in Amanda's room where Alyssa slept. When I talked to Alyssa, she did say that she believes, because remember, she was three at the time. So Mm -hmm. a lot of information, it's either things that she vaguely remembers or has been told about or... So she said that she does believe that her grandparents and her mom, Amanda, had joint custody of her. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Because at the time when Alyssa was born, Amanda was either 19 or 20. Okay. So she was still pretty young. And so um, that's what Alyssa said. She believes that they had joint custody. And because Amanda was still young... She still wanted to go out with other people her age, meaning other people who did not have children like she did. Mm -hmm. So it was often the case that Amanda's parents would care for Alyssa while Amanda was out with friends. And, you know, I do think that would be a really hard thing to balance at 19 or 20, Mm -hmm. being a mom, but still being 19 or 20, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you're young, so you feel like you want to or deserve even, yeah. you know, to experience life, and yet mm-hmm. you've got a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, but you're almost too young to be a grown up, but you kind of have to be a grown up because you have all those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And it's not as though. Amanda's parents, Dawn and Linda, minded caring for Alyssa because there is nothing in this world better than grandbaby snuggles. <laughs> I can vouch for that firsthand. I was going to say, you know but, from experience. Yes. And when Amanda gave birth to youngest daughter, Chloe, Chloe's father, Brad, stepped into the role of caregiver. Now, I will tell you, I was not able to verify whether... Chloe had been with her father from birth on or whether she had gone to live with him after Amanda went missing, right? As I mentioned Mm -hmm. before, but either way, he did step up to be the primary caregiver for his daughter, Chloe. 
But more and more issues were arising related to the crowd that Amanda found herself immersed in. As you can imagine, we're talking about 19 and 20 year olds. So they liked to party. Mm -hmm. They liked to have fun. And many were frequent drug users. At the time, Amanda didn't have the most stable employment history. She had worked in some fast food, though, again, I was not able to gain any information in terms of what restaurants. I always try when I do the interviews to ask questions that would elicit details because you never know, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say she worked at Burger King. Well, maybe somebody at Burger King had overheard her say something. Right. But even the people I asked were unsure about what fast food she had worked in, but she had worked in fast food. She had also worked at a gentleman's club in Lexington, Kentucky called Camelot. But from what I could gather, it didn't seem as though either of those places that her employment was longstanding. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, Anthony and I were actually having this conversation. I think a lot of the time we expect kids to know what they're going to do as soon as high school is over. And Mm -hmm. that's really hard to be 18 or 19 and be like, I want to be a doctor for the rest of my life. I want to sell insurance for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, I think we take for granted how difficult that decision can be to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is true, especially when you're younger, the influence of the crowd within which Mm -hmm. you surround yourself, it can either boost you up and make you more successful or distract you. Yeah, almost like a make or break. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And family and friends say that Amanda's crowd of acquaintances was growing larger and more rough. And even as it was growing larger, her connections with some of the people within that group were growing stronger. So much so that the people close to Amanda weren't sure how deeply her own involvement was in the group and what the group was up to. If that makes sense. So they know she's involved in this group. It's a rough group. They don't know how much she is participating in the things. In the activities that, that exactly. they're doing. Right. Oh, yeah. But she was often staying out later and gone from home more often than she had been in the past. According to details I was able to gather, she was known to frequent both bars and several local gentlemen's clubs, and there was some evidence of narcotics use in Amanda's past. Alyssa was, during this time, obviously more and more in the care of her grandparents, mm-hmm. and I, I wish... I'm approaching this discussion delicately because I wish I didn't have to say this every time we cover a case like this one, but I do because I want to be very clear. I do not care what a victim's past is. 
I don't care yeah. if they experimented with drugs. I don't care if they were an addict. I don't care what their career was or if they even had a job because a victim is a victim. Mm -hmm. A life is a life. And Amanda and her family deserve justice, whether she had a past of narcotics use or not. I feel like I'm sitting in the front pew of church. Amen. <laughs> I am preaching. Yes. Because... They deserve justice. You don't have to agree nor understand mm -hmm. Amanda's lifestyle to recognize her worth. Right. Because her life was worth living. Exactly. And I will add that even if Amanda didn't return home for days at a time, she would, even if she were away, she would still call both her parents and Brad to check in on the girls to see how they were doing. And that was so nearly like every she day. was completely checked out. I mean, right. Again, she's young. I think it's really mm -hmm. hard to have that amount of responsibility thrown at a person and nobody knows how they're going to be in that situation unless they're in it. So right. We're mm -hmm. not judging her on that's right. her past that's or right. things that have happened in her life. That's right. And despite the large group in which Amanda now found herself, there were really only a few houses at which she would normally hang out. So even though her group is getting larger, she still had certain people and certain places that were her safe places where she would go. But that list of places grew one more after a new group came into town from Mississippi. In, you know, I, I said this case takes place in 2006. Mm -hmm. In August of 2005, Category 5 Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans and the southeastern parishes of Louisiana. But obviously we know the devastating impacts were much broader impacting Alabama, and affecting nearly two-thirds of the state of Mississippi. So I think you're going to go to the same place, but I was fascinated. So when I worked at the state, my supervisor, his wife, was a transplant from Hurricane uh -huh. Katrina. So she came from Louisiana, yep. and she now yep. they now live in central Kentucky. And I just thought that was fascinating that mm -hmm. I mean and sad but you know just the geological effect oh yeah that, that had mm -hmm. yeah there was a mass exodus I read in National Geographic that 61,613 households relocated from Orleans wow. Parish alone so from one parish and that's almost wow. 62,000 households not individual people so each one of those households had multiple people. And wow. many of the residents, they fled the storm itself. So they fled before the storm hit. And of course, many residents resettled after losing all their possessions to the storm. And while a lot of Hurricane Katrina refugee population went west to Texas, others settled, like you were saying, Maggie, much further north, many of them coming to Kentucky. And at least one family of Katrina refugees who came to Kentucky and settled in Nicholasville were the Washington brothers who became part of Amanda's circle. 
and one of whom became a person with whom Amanda was rumored to have had a romantic relationship. So that's how her, her group grew even more with these Hurricane Katrina refugees and her places where she would frequent grew one more as well because one of the brothers, it was rumored she was romantically linked with. Gotcha. However, it is not believed that Amanda had a steady boyfriend. In talking with several people, I think the investigation showed that she was linked by some acquaintances to a handful of mm-hmm. men from their social group. So not uh, dating casually among this, this large social group. The last Amanda's parents heard from her was just after Valentine's Day 2006. Amanda had called them actually to say that she bought a little something for Alyssa for the holiday and wanted to know if she could stop by to drop it off. And according to my sources, her parents had agreed for her to do so. And they said, yeah, sure, you can come on by whenever you're able. But she never showed up with a gift. Nor did she call. And I didn't read anywhere why it took a little while before Amanda was reported missing. But I was able to verify my interview with Detective Van Hoos that there would be stretches of time during which Amanda didn't contact her parents, right? Like I mentioned before, come home. So that might explain the delay, but she wasn't a missing person until March 2006. So it's a couple of weeks. So that means, so does that mean we weren't looking for her in that time period or she just hadn't been made an official missing person until March of 2006? Kind of both. So her parents are aware that the last time they hear from her is right after Valentine's Day mm-hmm. when she makes that call and says, I have a gift. And then she doesn't show up to deliver the gift and she doesn't call. And after a couple of weeks pass by, that's when they said, okay, this is not normal. We need to file a missing persons report. Mm, gotcha. And so my only guess is that because of her recent crowd of friends, her parents may have assumed, you know what, she's gotten sidetracked. You know, mm-hmm. that's why she hasn't delivered this present. She's going to come back, you know, just give her a few days. And without the benefit of hindsight, I feel like we convince ourselves, you know, just be patient. You know, everything's yeah. going to right itself if I just give it some time. Yeah, Anthony always says hindsight's twenty twenty. Yes, yeah. But when weeks passed with no word and no visit from Amanda and most telling, no phone call from Amanda to check on the girls, Mm -hmm. that was when her parents filed a missing persons report in March 2006. But it didn't seem like initially the investigation led anywhere. I mean, either because nobody knew anything, because many of them weren't willing to talk We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Or because there was at least an initial belief from law enforcement at the time that Amanda would return home. Because after all, at this point, Alyssa's three, Amanda's 23. Mm -hmm. So she is an adult. And so, you know, we've covered so many cases where the Mm -hmm. police are like, I mean, even with teenagers. Yeah, she'll come back. Mm -hmm. 
It was fairly quick, however, that police did begin to suspect foul play in Amanda's disappearance, especially when coupled with the huge red flag of not calling to check on her children, that there's the fact that nobody in her acquaintance circle, once police started investigating and asking them questions, and that huge group, none of them had seen nor heard from Amanda either. Yeah, that is strange because you would think she would at least contact somebody. Friend group, yeah. Yeah, and recall earlier that I said, really, there were only a few homes where she would stay, and she hadn't been to any of them. So other than those select places, people didn't seem to have any further idea of where she might go either. I mean, you think of Amanda Hughes and you say, okay, well, she's at this place, this place, or this place. And she's at none of them. And you think, okay, where next? And nobody had any idea. Hmm. So the Hughes family were left wondering and they were left grieving. And with grief, especially of this kind of magnitude, can come disbelief and even a sense that the trauma needs to be explained. But the only explanation Amanda's family could come up with was that something had happened to Amanda as a direct result of someone from that crowd of of acquaintances that she had at the time. Per the spattering of news reports from 2006 and 2007, her family was aware that Amanda, quote, liked to ride with a rough bunch of people, end quote. And her parents even speculated in one report, quote, with the crowd that she liked to run with, we thought maybe she got shipped out of the country. Wow. Okay. So that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I know, because the only thing that makes sense in terms of what they meant by that is it sounds like in their grief and their loss, her parents had this distinct fear that she may have been the victim of sex trafficking. Yeah, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like what's so scary about a situation like this one is when nothing is concrete, everything is possible. And that's what's so terrifying. So their wondering of what became of their daughter lasted over a year until in October 2007, around 18 months after Amanda Hughes was last heard from, her remains were discovered not far from her hometown of Nicholasville, Kentucky. With deer season approaching, a hunter had been out looking for the perfect location to set up when he stumbled upon skeletal remains and called law enforcement. Those remains were found just off of the westbound lanes of Martha Lane Collins Bluegrass Parkway, what we locals just call the BG Parkway. Why does everything happen there? Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you think, if you guys are familiar, our listeners, with the Bardstown case, uh, Jason Ellis, that happened off of Mm -hmm. an exit of the BG Parkway. So, yes, this, too, was right off of the BG Parkway around mile marker 54 in Mercer County. And this mile marker is actually just past the Lawrenceburg exit in Anderson County on the way to Washington County. So on that I can route, see how you, like, said we were going to have a lot of counties involved. Yes. Yeah. So, again, in Kentucky, we have a lot of counties. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes you'll get, like, the corner of, you're at a corner, and it's the corner of three different counties together. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this mile marker, it's just past the Lawrenceburg exit 
in Anderson County on the way to Washington County. And on that route, there's a little stretch of the BG Parkway that passes through a corner of Mercer County. And it's Mm -hmm. in that small stretch where her remains were recovered. Due to exposure to the elements, we're 18 months out, and animal life, the remains were skeletonized. With the passage of time, it meant that very little physical evidence could be collected from the scene. But one thing was sure. Amanda Hughes's case went from a missing persons case to a homicide investigation. And I feel like, did we have a lot of searching for her after the missing persons report was made? I did not read much about it. And so I hate to speculate. Gotcha. Uh, So I I don't want to say, oh, yeah, there was lots of searching if there wasn't. And I don't want to say, oh, no, there wasn't any if if there was. So there was. Yeah. So I I don't have much information about that. Um, What I do know is that while Detective Van Hoos was not assigned this case until many years later in 2019, Mm. and he's actually in charge of dozens of cold cases in the Commonwealth, I was able to ask him some clarifying questions, even concerning the discovery of the remains, even though that was in 2007. So I first asked him about the decomposition, and I'll kind of explain my process and thinking about these questions that I asked, but I was curious whether it was their belief that there was so little physical evidence at the scene merely because of the 18 months that had passed between. Thinking in my head, okay, well, had Amanda been killed shortly after she had gone missing mm-hmm. and so then she'd her been body, there for 18 exactly, months. Exactly. And so that's why there's little physical evidence or whether there was little evidence on the side of the BG Parkway because her death had occurred elsewhere and her Mm. body just brought there to dispose of it. Right. If there's not evidence of a crime scene. Yeah. That's a good point to make. Yeah. So that was my thought process in asking that question. But unfortunately, because of the time factor, he acknowledged that it was hard to tell and that, either of those options could have been a possibility. Hmm. So uh, unfortunately, because of time, we don't know. We don't know. And another reason I asked was because I was curious if it was his belief that her death had happened close to the time she went missing or whether it was even possible that, you know, maybe Amanda had gone off somewhere to escape her current life and that she had been killed sometime later. And that curiosity was at least answered when Detective Van Hoos explained that it's believed that Amanda was killed shortly after going missing, primarily due to the facts that I mentioned earlier, that she hadn't called to check on her girls. Okay, so we don't think a lot of time elapsed between talking to her parents. Right. Though it could still be the case that the, the homicide happened elsewhere. Which was part of my first question. Mm -hmm. So it seems that no matter what was going on in her personal social life, she would not have gone an extended period of time without calling and talking to her babies. And so that's 
kind of where we come to this resolution that it the homicide likely happened right after she went missing. Mm-hmm. A second detail that I was curious about concerning the discovery of the remains was how far off of the road they had been located. And again, I know these sound like crazy questions. so I'll explain my thought process. Maggie, do you remember in our Patreon coverage of the Carol Sue Claber case, which was also Mm -hmm. here in Kentucky, we briefly discussed the psychology of the discarding of remains by perpetrators, like how far off of the road. Because, for example, there seems a distinct difference between the choice to just leave a body on the side of the road in plain sight versus just off the side of the road versus carrying it somewhere to hide it and covering it up so i was curious because i knew she was found alongside of the bg parkway just how far off of the road she was found so i asked detective van hoos and he told me that her remains were not immediately beside the the road so it didn't seem as though this were a speeding car and, and just threw it out. Exactly. But she was placed over the guardrail. Oh, so you would have had to stop. Yes. And that explains why, you know, 18 months could pass and she's not mm-hmm. discovered until the hunter. And also because on the other side of the guardrail, there was a steep embankment. So it would have been possible that even oh, she if could have rolled. Yes. Had been placed just over that... Yes, she could have rolled to the bottom, which obviously is where the hunter later discovered her. Mm. But regardless of the detail of how her body got there, with that discovery of her remains, her parents and friends now had to navigate a very different form of grief. And if they thought they had questions before, now those questions doubled. I actually, and this is going to seem a little bit nonsensical, but bear with me. I <laughs> Stay saw, with us here. Yes. I saw a funny meme the other day on Facebook. And I know you're like, why is she bringing up a funny meme? This is a, a serious case. And I agree, but I saw a connection. So I'll, I'll kind of tell you about the meme and then I'll tell you what I was, how I was thinking it connects to the seriousness of, of situations like this one. But it said something like, you never realize how much you distrust all of humanity until you can't find the remote. And then it was this conversation (laughs) where person one says, have you seen the remote? And person two says, no. And person one says, stand up. Like you can't trust them to say no. They're a liar. And I I know that that's a silly yet true meme, but (laughs) think about how much those same feelings of distrust can be exacerbated in times like this for Amanda's family. Because someone knows something about what happened to their daughter. Someone knows if she were in trouble or if she were scared. Someone may have heard rumors or people talking about her death. And someone actually committed the murder. And knowing the statistics that we all know, because Maggie, you and I talk about them every week, that murders are almost always committed by someone who knows the victim. And knowing that no one seemed to be coming forward with information Who are you left able to trust?
My daughter and I love smoothies, but what we don't love are smoothie bar prices. With our Blendjet 2 Portable Blender, we can make smoothie bar quality drinks for a fraction of the price. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. And it's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through those tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Even better, Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Plus, it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C. And you guys have heard me say it before, so I'll say it again. Best of all, the Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. Plus, they have so many colors to choose from. The hardest choice will be which design you want to rock. And we want to introduce you to the Orbiter Drinking Lid. The Orbiter Drinking Lid balances a leak-proof design with one-hand-use convenience and a modern minimalist design. The Orbiter Drinking Lid is so easy to use, you only need one hand. Blendjet's patent-pending design allows you to open and drink by simply rotating the lid with your thumb. Just when we thought the Blendjet 2 couldn't get any better, it did. Now you can blend anywhere without spilling everywhere. So what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code Coffee and Cases Blendjet to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code COFFEEINCASESBLENDJET to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. I don't know if it's been the same for you, but it feels like the price of everything keeps rising and my bank account keeps shrinking. Even when I had money passively sitting in investment accounts, those funds rarely rise at the rate of inflation, leaving me feeling like I was in the same boat. All my money was going somewhere, but never coming back to me. The age of stock picking is here. With towering inflation and elevating interest rates, sticking your money in a passive market fund just isn't going to get you what it used to. But it doesn't mean you have to abandon the market. There are still ways to invest for the future. You just need to know where to look, which is where The Motley Fool comes in. The Motley Fool Stock Advisor Service highlights two stocks each and every month for members to add to their portfolios, and it literally has paid to listen to them. Historically, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And listeners of Coffee and Cases can now access Motley Fool Stock Advisor for just $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the list price. What are you waiting for? Visit fool.com forward slash coffee and cases to start your investing journey today. Did you know that dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue? I was shocked to learn that even mild dehydration can cause headaches, muscle weakness, and brain fog. But luckily, there's a solution. Cure. Cure believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they use only the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. They're committed to transparency and honesty. All of their ingredients are clearly listed on their website and packaging and they're always happy to answer any questions or concerns. Ready to combat dehydration? Try Cure today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code COFFEEINCASES for 20% off your order. 
one silver lining, Maggie, if there can be a silver lining in a situation like this one, because I hate to even imply that there can be any good mm-hmm. in such times, is that Amanda's girls were so young. Amanda's oldest daughter, Alyssa, was only around three or four, and Chloe was even younger. And so they've been kind of sheltered, I guess. Right. From... By not, I guess, not understanding fully mm-hmm. what was going on. And then couple the fact that they were too young to fully grasp what was going on with the fact that the girls were already settled into living situations with others. Oh, so, so I guess their, their daily, daily lives, lives exactly. remained constant. Right. Yeah, they weren't altered as much as they otherwise would have been. Alyssa was already living with her grandparents. And, you know, after the discovery of her mother's remains, she continued to do so. And youngest daughter, Chloe, continued to be in the custody of her father, Brad. And really, Maggie, that's all we have to go on Hmm. based on news reports. I mean, literally, she was hanging around this large group of people. She goes missing. And then the discovery of her remains 18 months later. I was though able to speak with detective Van Hoos about any details that he was able to add to Amanda's case file during his time investigating the case. So here are the details that by proxy, I was able to add to my understanding of the case as well. Detective Van Hoos was able to locate and speak with a woman who, while long since having left this lifestyle behind, had worked at the Gentleman's Club in Lexington at the same time that Amanda did. So he finds a past co-worker. And she was able to tell Detective Van Hoos that she recalled Amanda dating a man who had come to Kentucky as a Hurricane Katrina refugee. Oh, so maybe one of those brothers. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about the previous investigation to com- compared to what Van Hoos was able to uncover was that initially one of the Washington brothers had been interviewed by law enforcement concerning Amanda's disappearance. His statements were taken, his description was recorded, but when Van Hoos shared the description of the Washington brother on record, that description didn't match with the description of Amanda's boyfriend that was given by the cast past co-worker. Why? Because there were brothers, yet the only one interviewed at the time, back in 2006, made no mention of having a brother with whom he shared that apartment in Nicholasville, nor was that other brother ever interviewed in the initial investigation. Was the brother not mentioning the other an accident or purposeful, though, I I do not know. I do not know. The other brother is now incarcerated in Mississippi. So Wait, the did, interviewed brother or the brother we didn't The brother know. who was not interviewed at the time. Okay. So Detective Van Hoos, he drove down to Mississippi to conduct an interview with that Washington brother who had never been questioned mm-hmm. before concerning Amanda. Because he's they're not named persons of interest. They're not named suspects, but they are known to have been in this group with whom Amanda is hanging out. There is speculation that Amanda was romantically linked 
to one of the brothers. So obviously they might have information that could lead to resolution in this case. When I asked him how the interview went, Van Hoos said that it wasn't very productive and it didn't lead to any breakthroughs in the case. Huh. So hearing that, obviously it led me to ask then if there were any potential theories about yeah. what had happened to Amanda or any previous theory that maybe had already been ruled out. And he told me that there were several individuals that she was known to have been in the company of in the last few months and weeks before she went missing who have been ruled out as persons of interest and that many of the men with whom she was casually dating or was potentially romantically involved with have also been ruled out as well. So like I said before, there isn't solid evidence. I know I've mentioned the Washington brothers and that's because it seems as though they could potentially have more information or someone mm -hmm. in that group who was with them. There is not solid evidence to link the Washington brothers to Amanda's homicide either. Detective Van Hoos does wonder whether the brothers and or others from that circle, like I said, could know more information than what they've previously shared or even know information but not realize that they know information. Like maybe you think it's insignificant, but there is some significance to it. Right, because I feel like it would be different if she had a small group of friends. Mm -hmm. But with the big group of friends, you would think maybe somebody had a feeling or maybe heard something. It's weird that nobody knows anything. And it's weird right. that everybody's been ruled out as a person of interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Detective Van Hoos did tell me that the incarcerated Washington brother, according to statements from other people in that acquaintance group, was known to front people narcotics. Amanda included. So there are some who question, you know, might she have been indebted to him or to someone else from that group? And that's a common theory, I think, when mm -hmm. we're covering cases with yeah. people that have backgrounds similar to Amanda's. Mm -hmm. Because you think, I mean, what motive would someone have had mm -hmm. to harm her? And that at least gives an answer. Yeah. Others acquainted with Amanda have reached out in the years since, if not to law enforcement, at least to Amanda's daughter, Alyssa, because Alyssa actually shared some screenshots with me of some of the people who have contacted her. And I reached out to them as well on Facebook. A uh, One oh. person I reached out to, and I'm intentionally being vague here, so I'm just going to say person instead of a gender. But one person I reached out to recalled Amanda being taken to a guy's house who was here from fleeing Hurricane Katrina, who, quote, lived off Maple in a nice little subdivision, end quote, and wonders now if Amanda may have held back in giving more information about that relationship because the person I contacted had called her crazy for staying with someone with whom Amanda had just met. 
could there have possibly been another Hurricane Katrina refugee that Amanda was friends with or seeing that we don't know about that weren't potentially potentially and again just because we have someone else who's saying she was dropped off at the house of someone who had come here fleeing Hurricane Katrina. That detail doesn't in any way mean that the Washington brothers are involved in whatever happened mm-hmm. to Amanda. But I do wonder if someone in their circle is, or at least, again, has that information. So it made me wonder who else might be out there who has just some small snippet of information that they might feel is inconsequential that would Mm -hmm. actually help build a trail leading to a suspect because her family, her children, they deserve that clarity. Yeah. And I mean, something as simple as this person potentially lived off Maple Street Mm -hmm. could change the case significantly. Right. Exactly. Even though the children's daily lives weren't drastically altered in terms of living situation, they were drastically altered in the way, obviously, that they were forced to live life without the central figure we associate so closely with love Mm -hmm. and comfort and stability, like I mentioned in the introduction. Instead, her children, Alyssa and Chloe, have had to learn about their mom in pieces, Chloe has learned that they share a love of ramen noodles by hearing her dad (laughs) say that when Amanda couldn't sleep at night, she would get up in the middle of the night to bake a bowl of ramen noodles. And that's something that Chloe could see herself doing as well. For Alyssa, it's the small stories and the moments as well. Hearing that her mom's favorite color was always blue until she had a girl, Alyssa, and changed it to pink. Aww. Or asking her grandparents what her mom's favorite song was. That way she could listen to that song and feel a connection. Or it was seeing her mom's face in a photograph and turning it over to see a description of the photo scrawled in her mom's handwriting. I mean, these are pictures that Alyssa was so kind as to share with me and that are on the cover of this episode and that we will post to our social media as well. So in situations like this one, the small things mean a lot. Yeah. Either in terms of information or in terms of connection. But they also learned about her death in small pieces. For Chloe, it was seeing a story in the paper that her dad had brought home. For Alyssa, Mm -hmm. it was growing up with the knowledge that her mom had passed, but only later learning how. She said she remembers friends when she was younger asking if she could come over and saying things like, ask your mom. Oh, yeah, because you don't think about that. Right. Yeah, when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. And she remembers even at a young age responding that she couldn't because her mom was dead. And as she grew older, obviously she learned the details. And now both daughters are adamant about doing everything that they can to keep exposure on her their mom's case. Yeah. To find out more and more until they have all the answers one day. You see, Maggie, this is a case where there aren't even enough details to have a working theory. Yeah, I was going to ask. I don't know how we're going to really even discuss theories because there's not even enough information to formulate one 
exactly. Instead, this is a case of questions. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think the best analogy came from my conversation with Detective Van Hoos, who said that Amanda's investigation was like a puzzle and that when new information comes in, it's a matter of figuring out if the piece is part of the background or if it makes the image of what happened to her come more into focus. But that Mm -hmm. despite where it fits, all of the pieces are part of the overall puzzle and are therefore important. I mean, what a good analogy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, and he mentioned this, we talked about it briefly, the passage of time does have some benefits. Some of the people who were interviewed initially maybe aren't scared to talk now. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. Detective Ann, who's actually told Kristen Edwards of WLEX 18, quote, they've moved on. They've got a family of their own and they're able to talk about some of the things that they say they were afraid to speak of at the time, end quote. So there may have been past fears of retaliation of certain individuals from within that acquaintance group, Mm -hmm. you know, fears that, oh, they'll be able to trace that information that the police have back to me. And then I'll be in trouble. So they they may have been afraid to speak at the time, but time has changed many things because yeah. some, some of them have moved. Some they may have been afraid of are now incarcerated, several members of that group. Some have even changed their names. But some also may have guilt weighing on them. Exactly. So all of those changes, I feel like, can make it easier for them to relate those details that maybe quote unquote loyalties prevented them from sharing before. Detective Van Hoos has actually seen the benefit of the passage of time firsthand because he told me that now, years after the initial investigation into Amanda's case, much more information has come to light recently than it even did at the time, which I feel like is the opposite of a lot of the cases that we cover. Yeah. And with Detective Van, who's in charge of the case, he has the personal conviction to help families find those answers. He, Maggie, has daughters of his own. And he said it's wearing on him and on law enforcement like him who take each case personally to mm-hmm. see the grown-up children of the victims in the cases his in his caseload having to navigate life without one or both parents that's weighing on him and wearing on him it's something unfathomable to him when he thinks about the love that he has for his own children and that's what drives him to keep pushing for information and we've, we've covered a couple of cases where yeah. the detective in charge is like this. And yeah, those families are very lucky mm-hmm. that they have these detectives. Yeah, I feel like they're, those are few and far between. Mm-hmm. Van Hoos realizes that regardless of what he's able to accomplish in an investigation, there will always be a gaping hole 
where the parent should be. But he feels that he can do some small part in bringing closure and in completing the now unfinished puzzle that haunts the family and haunts him. I hope he can. Me too. We are now coming up on 16 years since Amanda Lynn Hughes was last seen, but it's also nearly 16 years of waiting for answers. As recently as October of 2022, Amanda's parents, Donald and Linda, told WLEX staff that they still visit Amanda's grave nearly every week. Asked what they say to Amanda while there, Donald told the reporter, quote, that I miss her. I wish she was here. And someday I'll see her again, end quote. Others who miss her, even though they didn't get the opportunity to know her in traditional ways, are her daughters, Alyssa and Chloe. I ended my phone and written response interviews with the two of them with the same two questions. The first of those questions was, is there a call to action you'd like to give? Here's what Alyssa had to say. It's been 15 years. Even like the smallest information, even if you don't think that, oh, this maybe isn't important because, oh, like she was last seen on this day. This was the day before. Still stuff like that. Just it doesn't hurt to reach out. If you didn't know anything, just say something because anything helps. Youngest daughter Chloe wrote the following, quote, if anyone knows anything, even the smallest detail can help. It doesn't matter how long ago this happened. She still deserves some sort of justice. So even if you just saw her in the street at school and had a conversation with her, if you noticed anything off or anything you feel like could help, please say something, end quote. My final question to both was, if they could say one more thing to their mom, what would it be? Here is Alyssa's answer. I would probably say that I miss her and I wish she could have experienced my graduation from high school. Um, my sister actually just graduated back in Saturday. So I like, I wish she would have been there to see us do that. Mm-hmm. And I just hope she's watching over us somehow and like seeing all this stuff happen. But there's not a day that goes by that we don't think about her or talk about her. She's talked about often, often. So just that, you know, I miss you. I know I'll see you again, but until then, I'll just remember you. Chloe wrote this, quote, You were taken too early. I wish I could have been able to make memories of my own with you rather than hearing them from someone else. I wish you could have been able to see me walk the stage when I graduated, but I know you watched me in another way. Just know we're all trying for you and that you are loved very much. End quote. Let's help Alyssa and Chloe know that we, too, are trying by sharing Amanda's story this week. Amanda's family and Detective Van Hoos hope that one person who hears this episode or hears it via our listeners sharing could get one step closer to closure. Detective Van Hoos has a message for anyone with information. It's Detective Luke Van Hoos with the Kentucky State Police out of Richmond, Kentucky, and I'm looking into... Uh, different cold cases, which one is uh, in reference to Amanda Hughes from back in 2006-2007 time frame. Uh, she resided mostly around Nicholasville and frequented the Lexington area. Um, if you have any information concerning her, she was last seen or maybe heard of back in February of 2006. I can be reached at 
uh, the Kentucky State Police Post in Richmond at 859-623-2404 or my state email, luther.vanhoos at ky.gov. That's V-A-N-H-O-O-S-E. Since there were potential sightings of Amanda until as late as early to mid-March, law enforcement are particularly interested in information concerning Amanda's activities, who she was with, or anything that may stand out from before Valentine's Day through mid-March. Since she often frequented Camelot and Deja Vu gentlemen's clubs in Lexington and even a location in Ohio, Detective Van Hoos would like to speak with anyone who worked there as an employee, manager, boss, or even someone who was a customer with whom Amanda may have spoken and mentioned any troubles or fears. Finally, he would like more information concerning the Washington brothers, what may have been going on, and who else may have been running around in that crowd between 2006 and 2007. Anyone who may be able to provide details, please call Detective Van Hoos at 859-623-2404. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you you next week. It's love notes from Maggie and Allison. Whoop, whoop. And we have all kinds of love to get caught up on. So I'm very excited to go through all of these. Me too. First, I want to thank everyone who reached out to us to tell us that they voted for us for the best yes. female hosted podcast and for People's Choice at podcastawards.com. Super exciting. I know. I really felt the love with the Mm -hmm. messages that we got and would obviously love even more if you haven't yet voted and you would go Mm -hmm. to podcastawards.com to vote for us as well. The deadline is quickly approaching to vote in the first round. July 31st is the deadline for round one. Time is ticking. That's right. Please. And we also have a new Patreon member, Tanya Kay. So Yay! we're very happy about that. And we're very happy to welcome her into the Patreon family. And if you want additional contact content, just like she did, then you can just click the little link that's going to be in our show notes. And we'll yeah. have lots of love to share with you. That's right. Because we love Tanya Kay. Thank you for joining. Yeah. And speaking of Patreon, I am in the midst of making a special plan <laughs> for the swag boxes that we'll be shipping out in August for our $12, $15, and $20 a month members that will actually help support the business of one of our longtime listeners, yeah. a fellow Patreon member. Because, you know, I feel like life is all about mutual support and we're here for it. 
So if that sounds just as amazing to you as it does to us and you want to join to support the show and get bonus content like swag if you so choose like i said you can go to patreon.com slash coffee and cases to join or we'll post the link in the show notes yeah so then you'll get to hear your name on a future episode and who doesn't love that exactly just like the love we have going out to the six which is amazing. I know. New five-star reviews we got yes. over the last two weeks. And that makes me very, very happy. I'm thrilled. Three of those were just star reviews with no writing, but we will take it. We can't yes. give a name to give That's you right. love, but you know who you are. That's right. We love you just the same. Exactly. But one written review came from Ranger Boyd, and we are sending much love to you. And that person wrote, quote, great show, interesting and informative, end oh. quote. Short and sweet. We love it. I do love it. We also have tons of love going out to Mike, one followed by 13 zeros. I don't know what kind of number that is. But something <laughs> very large. Who wrote, quote, very informative podcast. Each case is thoroughly researched and presented very in-depth, much more than most true crime podcasts, end quote. And I really appreciate that comment so much mm-hmm. because it hits on the heart of what we try to do in each episode. And I wish that the one followed by 13 zeros was the amount of money I have in my bank account. Uh, Yes, that would be nice. Thank you. And the final written comment and love note goes out to Smiley's123321. Yeah. Who said, quote, love these ladies. They did a great job on the Britney Sykes case, end quote. And um, listen, that makes me so happy. I mean, any of review we appreciate, but it's obviously nice to have your research acknowledged and i'm glad you did find that coverage informative we are so happy that we're able to help in any type of small way and with that all of our love is going out to each and every one of you until next week sleuth hounds if you've been listening to our show for more than one episode then you probably know about my love for animals what i don't often talk about is how difficult it is meeting all of their nutritional needs Trust me when I say not all dog food is created equal, but we're about to solve that problem for you. It's called Nom Nom. In Nom Nom, you can actually see proteins and vegetables like beef, chicken, pork, peas, carrots, kale, and more. And ordering it is the easiest way to take the guesswork out of feeding your dog the best. Nom Nom meals are pre-portioned for your dog's exact caloric needs. Isn't it time to feel good about the food you're feeding your dog? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynom.com slash coffee and cases and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. That means if your dog doesn't love fresh, delicious meals, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom.